Man, that was awesome. Hey, good morning, everybody. Man, it's good to see so many of you here, so many that are joining us online. I just want to welcome you. Uh, this is it's kind of humbling to be a part of a place that God continues to thrive and grow in the midst of such uncertain and crazy times. And uh, for many of you who are here in the house, who have been pushing through all the unique protocols and things, I want to say thank you for your participation in that. For those that are online that are waiting to come back into the house, or for those that are far away living in other parts of the world and land, um, uh, we're here with you. Once you feel the presence of God as we connect with one another, you're welcome here. If, we're, if you're new and we've not had a chance to meet, I would love to meet you. I'll be out in the crossing if you're on site out there afterwards in worship. If you're watching online, you're connecting from afar, hey, shoot me an email. Uh, sometimes when I have a chance, I'll try to jump on the Zoom afterwards, kind of meet you there, uh, one of those little chat rooms and everything myself, but would love to meet you. Th thank you for coming. If you have your Bibles or you want to get situated, you can. Uh, we're going to start off in Ecclesiastes. It's a little book uh, after Proverbs, which comes after Psalms in the Old Testament. Eventually, we'll get to Acts. And then we'll get over to the book of Hebrews for a little bit of time. If you download your message notes, you want to get those ready, you can. There may be some note-taking you want to take this, this morning. Now, before we get into this, I want to have a little couple of shout-outs. And the first shout-out, can I just give a shout-out uh, to Chris Bohan and Cheyenne Davis, who did a fantastic job winding up our message series the past couple of weeks. Uh, let me tell you, God has just given us some amazing young talent around this place that I get to work with, and I'm humbled to have the opportunity to do that. I also want to give a shout-out to a man that many of you have never met. You may see him walking around here periodically. His name is Art Barnes. This is what he looks like in case you see him. He is our facilities manager. Most likely, you will not see Art up here on the stage or on, on, the, on a Zoom call or anything for worship. But we wouldn't be open right now on site without Art. Art, when we decided we were going to move toward that way, he said, we've got to be clean, not just clean, but we've got to be, have it sanitized as much as we can. And he developed a plan and a team to make sure that you're as safe as you can be in this facility. In between worship, you'll see things happening, and it wouldn't be without Art. I just want to say thank you to Art Barnes for all the extra work he has done so we can be you know, in the building. And the third shout-out I want to give is I, is I want to give to you. You know, when COVID hit and churches started closing their door, the building doors for a while, uh, churches were not just shuttered, T-T-E-R, some of them shuttered. And they shuttered because of the financial ramifications that may, may happen in a body of Christ when the body's not gathering for worship. I'm going to share something with you. Since January of this year to July of this year, uh, compared to January to July of last year, your giving, those who call Pathway Church your church home, has increased 17% over last year. Wow. That's miraculous, folks. That's nothing short of miraculous. It's your faithfulness. It's your understanding of what giving is about and your church, what it, and what your giving has done is that more and more people come to know Jesus. Uh, last May, because of your generosity, we were able to feed every employee of Hughley Hospital and their families and gift them with a meal because of your generosity and paid cash for it. We were able to have a mobile food pantry where people in our community who were struggling for food could drive by through your, through your church, and man, we were just loading them up with food, just loading up with food because of you. Uh, because of you, 
uh, we have been able to fund something we didn't have planned to do, remodel the fourth and fifth grade area, which was so dated, which needed to be brought up to standard for, for our young people. Uh, because of your faithfulness, we have been able to, to build a new parking lot across the street to make room for it. Everybody comes back to redo the parking lot on the South Campus, but also because of your faithfulness, in the middle of July, when supposedly church was, quote, quote, shut down, we had 14 people were baptized on one weekend. If you were here, you saw that happening. They came to know the grace and love of Jesus in their life, and that made that happen. Because of your generosity, we were able to open up this place to the students of our community. And there were a couple of nights where the BHS athletic community, they met here with all the athletes and, and their parents, and they had meetings and getting ready. And our CHS students, they had their, their senior vespers to start off the year out here on the lawn and the property, and there was prayer blessings over all of them. Uh, we were able to go ahead and build a water line that is imperative that we have, pay cash for it, for our next phase facility, put a new fire hydrant out. And we, that was not in the budget. But because of you, it was done, and things are going great. And I just want to say again, thank you for your generosity. And because of your faithfulness and generosity, we are ready next Sunday night, September the 20th at 6 o'clock p.m. We are breaking ground on our new worship space. Space, and we invite you to come be a part of that if you can. If you can't, we're going to stream it. But, uh, I mean, it, it's happening. And for those of you that are online, uh, we're going to have some special things to share with you next week, some things that we have planned for our online community to help you feel even more apart regardless. Of, why are those lights flashing back there in the back? Are y'all okay back there? There's like a strobe light over y'all back there in the back or something like that. So, Are y'all okay back there? I just need to hear an okay from somebody. Okay, you're okay. I just wanted to make sure. All right. Well, we need to pray. God, your favor upon your church is uh, nothing short of miraculous to us. That we would be the beneficiary of your favor and your kindness. That you would allow us to be used by you to bless other people to touch our medical community for those who have sacrificed so many long hours for the benefit of us in this pandemic. To be used by you, God, to feed the hungry. And God, even now, I find in my own spirit contemplating how can we render aid and care to those on the West Coast who are just suffering because of these, these out-of-control fires. God, I'm asking, how would you use us to encourage and to give hope? And God, just for all the many ways that these people call Pathway, those that are online, those who worship in other states, God, who call this their church home, and those that are in the building, so generously give, God, I give you thanks and praise. That you would continue, God, to use us to be a blessing to others, to share the love and grace of Jesus with as many people as we can. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to dive right into your message notes. If you're a note taker, here's the very first thing. A single phone call will change the trajectory of my life. I want you to write down my life. Not my life, your life. My life. It will. It will come. A single phone call. Change everything. So I'm sitting in my Wichita Falls apartment, hot uh, August 
Sunday afternoon, and the phone rings. I answer, and it's long distance. Now, if you're a Gen Xer or lower, or younger, you don't understand that a long distance phone call means somebody's paying. <laughs> and the longer you talk, the more expensive the phone gets, and it can get pretty expensive. So I answer the phone. In one minute, I'm talking to a member of our church. Her name is Peggy Van Geem. The next minute, I'm talking to her niece. Peggy had been telling me for weeks she wanted me to meet her niece. And so now, out of the blue, she says, hey, Rick, this is Peggy. Here's my niece. Hands me the phone. I, I, she hands the phone to Dallas, who becomes my wife. Now, what I didn't realize at that time, this woman whom I had never met, uh, apparently she was engaged to some loser guy that her mom didn't like. And so they're down there in Dallas on a family vacation, and all the sisters got together and said, let's try to connect Dallas with Rick right now. So boom, they got us on the phone. I've never seen this girl, never heard this girl, never seen a photo or anything. We talked for two hours. There was something that happened in that phone call. Uh, the, the next weekend, she drives to Wichita Falls from Odessa so we can meet in person. There was no FaceTime back in that day either, right? so, I, uh, so just so you know. And so, so we could really have a, a meeting, and she's going to be a three-day weekend, turns into a four-day weekend. I didn't want her to leave, and she didn't want to leave. And so she goes back to Odessa, and the next week, I take off work for my weekend job at the church, and I drive to Colorado City to meet her parents who drove into her grandmother's house from Odessa. And so we had this exchange. The next week, she drives to her college where she was enrolled in Canyon and West Texas State University. She withdraws from college. She breaks up with the loser guy. She enrolls in Wichita Falls New Western State University. Five months later, we're married on January the 6th, 1979. One phone call changed Dallas Owens' life forever. <laughs> yeah, we all know the truth about that, don't we? I wonder how many of you in the house or online, if you paused and you think, you would acknowledge there was a phone call. It changed your life. It rocked your world. Maybe it was good news. You got accepted into that university. You got the scholarship. You got the raise. Somebody told you for the very first time they love you. You actually heard them say, I love you. Maybe the doctor called you back and said, you're pregnant. Or maybe it was bad news. The doctor said, sorry, you're not pregnant. Or maybe the COVID test is positive. The tumor is malignant. Sorry. Or maybe it's a phone call about your kid. If they don't get it together, they're not going to pass. Or maybe it's the police. Hey, you need to come down to the station. Your kid's here. 
Or maybe for you it was, hey, there's been an accident. You need to come right away. Your child. Or, or maybe somebody called you, somebody that you care for, and they called you to break up with you and to tell you the relationship is over. Can we all just come to an agreement here, all, all of us who are here worshiping, whether, wherever you are worshiping with us right now, can we come to an agreement, if, if you call Pathway Your Church Home, that we are not going to break up with someone, or we're not going to say we want a divorce from someone, or we're not going to release an employee, someone who works from us, via text or email or any kind of social media. Can we just say it should be in the Bible, that's a sin. It dishonors others. Maybe it was a phone call that said, there's drama, <laughs> and you got to fix it, family drama, work drama, or maybe it's a phone call that someone had died, and it's someone very close to you, and you didn't see it coming. There are some phone calls I'll remember to the day that I die, where I was, what I was doing, and what I felt when the call came because it changed my life forever. And I suspect some of you, you would agree the same thing. And if it has not happened, I tell you it will happen, the phone will ring. And one day you will receive news that will rock your world. For good or for worse. And in that time, when the phone call comes, you're going to find yourself living in one or two situations. One, you will find yourself choosing because of your own choice to live, for the most part, in isolation. Very minimal relationships with other people. Kind of socially, physically, mentally, spiritually disconnected from other people. Not sure if you have really someone you can really count on and trust and depend upon going through this season. Or you are going to find yourself living in community, surrounded by people who know you and they still love you. Because you've laughed together, you've cried together. You've shared meals together. You've done stuff. You just had fun together. You've worshiped together. You've served together. You've grown together. And those people, they're going to lift you up. They're going to build you up. If, if you need to, they will talk you up. They will support you. They will care for you. They will rally around you. And they will help you keep your stuff together when you feel like you're falling apart. And you go, whoa, how is it I'm keeping my stuff together? It's like there's this invisible force that's working, keeping me together. And it is. It's the Holy Spirit. Because when there are two or more gathered in my name, the Scripture says, I'm right in the middle of it. The biblical writers... The wisdom writers of Ecclesiastes, they do this little comparison, comparing the difference between someone who lives in isolation and someone who lives in community. Listen to what it has to say. Uh, chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes, uh, beginning at verse 8. It says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. 
and there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. This is a miserable business. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls. Pity anyone who gets the phone call and has no one to help them up. Verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Number two in your notes, people who live in isolation are more vulnerable and more fragile. The word of God for the people of God. Now, modern day research has confirmed what the biblical writers wrote many years ago. Robert Putnam, a researcher from Harvard, has gathered lots of information from people from all walks of life in the United States of America, and they have found something that is science backs up the difference between people who live in community and people who live, for the most part, in isolation. And here's what they found. And this is one of the reasons why I am concerned about year one and year two into COVID or after COVID. They have found that people who, for the most part, are socially disconnected are more prone to having colds, developing cancer, Strokes, heart attacks, depression, and other premature causes of death. They have done dozens and dozens and dozens of different types of research, and it all is conclusive this one thing. That people who are socially disconnected as a whole from the world are three to five times more prone to dying of a premature cause that could have been prevented. In your notes, number three, God's plan is for no one, nobody to live alone, nobody to do life alone. God's plan is for you to be in a family. God's plan is for you to be connected to people that you know and love you and care for you. That, that is God's plan. God's plan is for everyone to be known and to be loved, to be valued, to be respected, to be honored, to be lifted up, not crushed, to be heard, to be understood. And when you read the Bible, God's plan is for this to happen in something called the church. There is nothing, there is no institution that's ever been created on this earth in the history of the world like the church. Let me share a little bit from the Word, what it has to say about the church. Acts chapter 2, the birthday of the church, verse 42. It says, they, that is the followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves I could just spend a whole time just talking about that word devoted. We have so watered down what it means to be devoted. 
I mean, so committed, sold out all the way, whatever it costs, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That is to learning about the ways and the teaching of Jesus, to fellowship. That word fellowship there in the Greek is koinia. It's not just talking about having fun times together. That's part of it. That word koinia means literally to take off your mask to where you are totally known by another person. Where you are naked and not ashamed. You are real with them, genuine, authentic with one another. To the breaking of bread, having meals together, prayer, praying together. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Why? Because they suffered together. They hurt together. They overcame together. They experienced breakthroughs together. And they celebrated the miracle of God working in their midst together. All the believers were together, it says, verse 44. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. They gave to anyone who had need. They were generous beyond measure. They totally gave of themselves, of their time, of their energy, of their giftedness for the building up of other people. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. How often did they meet? Every what? Every day. Not every once in a while, not when it was convenient, not when their kids' sports teams weren't playing, not when the weather was perfect, just perfect, not when they felt like it. Every day they continued to meet to, together, 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 together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, the people they were gathered with. Here comes the last line. And the Lord added to their number, how often? Not every once in a while, not once a week. And the Lord added to their number daily. One more, one more, one more, one more, one more, and one more who was coming to know the powerful love and grace of Jesus Christ that changed them and healed their soul. That's the church. That's what happens in community because community matters. I mean, God himself says in the opening chapters of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, he said, it is not good for humans to be alone. I designed you to be in a family, to be connected with other people in meaningful relations, to be, let other people in. That's how I made you. When Jesus teaching himself in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, he said, here's how you pray. He says, our Father who art in heaven. He didn't say my Father. He didn't say your Father. Our Father. You know what that means? That means you have at least 7.8 billion brothers and sisters who live on the planet Earth because there's only one God and there's one Father and there's one family of God. That is us. And we need each other in community. And there's only one community. 
the family of God with little pockets all over the place. Now, we human beings, uh, we have messed up the church royally. But it's still the most powerful institution on the face of the earth. And God is using it to do unbelievable things in spite of us. Putnam wrote this book called Bowling Alone, this Harvard researcher I told you about. And there were many graphs. I'm going to share one graph with you that he had in his book, and I've kind of simplified it for you to see it. But you'll see in that book a median line there in the middle. Some of all this research they did on the natural, the national average happiness of Americans. This is for the United States of America, national average happiness. And what you don't see on that, people who have no church affiliation, not connected to the body of Christ at all, are way low below this, this national average of happiness. People on that middle line, those are people in the middle who are about go, connected about 20 times a year. They're connected to their church family, about 20 times a year. But you see that green line going all the way to the top, right below the little purple dot at the very end? That is someone, that is anyone who would say, my church life, I'm connected every week 365 days a year, 50 weeks a year, that's a part of my life. Above happiness and joy among all other people in the United States of America. And what is that saying? In your notes, number four, that people who are connected and engaged in church community are healthier emotionally. Because there's there's joy, there's there's a different count, they have a better mental health. I don't care if you believe in God or not. And if you don't believe in God, you're welcome here. If you don't believe in church, you're welcome here. To figure it out and to sort it out and to kind of wrestle with it, we say, thank you very much for coming. And I'm going to make you a promise. Just by being around this experience, (laughs) you're going to, I cannot explain it. But there's something that happens when you gather with a group of people and are singing songs of faith and hope and praise where you leave with a little bit of bounce in your step, even if you're forcing yourself to be negative about it. This is the fact. And and here's what I know. There are some people, for some reason, and this year God has given you free will. That you choose, whether you're online or on site, you choose to kind of sneak in and sneak out. You slide in and you slide out. You click on and you click off. And you're cheating yourself. You're shorting yourself from having the power of God's transforming and healing grace and love being poured out into your soul. And the mental health that comes with that is unbelievable. But not only that, it's more than just mental health. It's more than just emotional sort of health and happiness. It's physical. Did you know that through this Putnam research, that the bottom line is this, that someone who is not in any sort of community, and this is what they found through the research, you're not in any kind of small group community of any kind, church-wise or any other kind. But if you choose to be in one, just one, research proves you cut your risk of dying the following year in half. So, second thing in this letter B, people who are engaged, they are growing, they are healthier, they are healthier physically. So, here's going to be our new t-shirt. Join a group or die. 
<laughs> no, we're not going to do that. But it sounds cool. But it sounds cool. But, but you and I both know that, that we are motivated and inspired not for our emotional health, not because we want to live longer, have a stronger physical body, but because the third thing, we know that we are healthy spiritually. That we are healthy spiritually in our soul. When we come together with other people and like-minded who have the same questions, the same doubts, and the same struggles, we just, we're just stronger together. Two, three are stronger than one. Especially when the phone call comes. Over in the book of Hebrews, it's written like this. And let us not give up. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Uh, we just finished six weeks of talking about love. And in case you forgot this, the one measure for me of spiritual maturity, and maturity is a person, is how do you love? It's not about how much you can memorize, but how well do you love? And it says, let's spur one another on to mature, to grow towards love and toward give good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some is in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another to grow spiritually. Now, next weekend, we are going to do a little vision casting. Whether you're online, man, we got some stuff for you that are online, okay? So if you're, I don't care if you're worse than Florida, Ohio, uh, Canada, California, Las Vegas, wherever, Oklahoma, we got some vision casting that's going to connect with you and what we want to do online for our online growing community, but also for these that are on house in the building right, right here. And we're going to cast some vision next week about what this one more thing, what it looks like and what, as we get ready for the groundbreaking next Sunday night. But right now, today, this weekend, it's about the smaller view instead of the macro. And I'm asking you for your well-being to consider finding and making sure you have community in your life. Now, before the phone call comes, because if you wait until the phone call comes, here's what I have discovered in 30 plus years of doing ministry around this joint, is that people who are disconnected, they slip in and slip out, or they have no community, they just kind of hang. When the phone call comes, they feel awkward. Oh my gosh, I'm not, how can I, I can't call now. I'm, I mean, they don't really know me. I don't know them. I'm not really, uh, so they don't call because it feels awkward. They feel embarrassed about calling or they don't have the energy to make the call to reach out because they're so focused on the crisis, they don't have the energy to reach out and build a connection. So as a result, and some of you know what I'm talking about because you've done it, you wind up living more alone than you ever did before. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've done it. You suffered in misery alone because you were not set up to know you had people around you could trust to walk with you. And I don't want that for you. 
And some of you are saying, you know what? Okay, pastor, that's for other people. That's not going to happen to me. I don't need it. I'm self-sufficient. I've made it my life all by myself by now. Just like a little kid, right? I can do it by myself. I can do it by myself. Yeah. I'm going to make you two guarantees. Here's the first one. It's the wrapping up in your notes. Here's the first guarantee. Uh, the phone call will come. That's a guarantee. The phone call will come. With good news or with bad news. And when that phone call comes, you will discover that you need people in your life. You need someone to tell the great news. You need someone to help you get through the bad news. That you can't stand all by yourself in this life. That you need people. Whether it's a dancing heart or a broken heart. That's the first guarantee. And here's the second guarantee. Because some of you say, say, okay, yeah, right. I still can do it by myself. So here's the second one. Somebody needs you. Or maybe you need to write down, somebody needs me. See, you may be able to handle it all by yourself because you're a stud in your own eyes. But somebody needs you. They need your prayers. They need your encouragement. They need your touch. They need your story. They need your testimony of what God has done in your life to keep them hanging on. They need your hope. They need your faith. You know, sometimes the most powerful thing you can say to someone who's going through a crisis and they're all turned upside down and they don't know what to do, here's what you say. So you need to write this down because you need to say this. Have faith in my faith. I cannot tell you the number of times that's all I've said to someone. When they were walking through that valley and they were just falling apart, I said, listen, I don't know what else to say, but here's what I can. Just have faith in my faith. And they just grab hold of what you believe until they can believe themselves. Somebody needs you. They do. You know, I find it interesting here in uh, Johnson County and Tarrant County, and I'm sure that's true wherever you worship, wherever you are in the world, in the United States of America, uh, there's a church almost on every corner. Have you noticed that? There's a church almost, you can hardly drive and not see a church, and they're, they're, they're everywhere. Isn't it amazing? And in these churches, whether they're worshiping online or they're in the building, I know they're filled with people. If you live in America, and you're pretty wealthy. Your 401k, if it's not perfect, it's heading in the right direction. People who have education, degrees, dreams and goals that will probably reach. Facebook friends, so many you can't number them. Instagram followers, Twitter followers. LinkedIn, networked. And yet those people are some of the most spiritually impoverished people in the world because they're going through the motions 
They're lonely. They're scared. They're worried. And nobody knows. Life is better in community. But you got to take the step and the risk to be involved in it, to experience the power of God unleashed in your life. I'm going to show you a story that kind of demonstrates the power of community, that how life is so good and rich in community. And then Jeff's going to come up here just kind of close us out and for those that might hey you know what I think I want to at least learn a little bit more just kind of let you know how you can do that whether you're online or in the house so let's see this little story here I moved to Burleson in 1994 and we rented a house close to what was in St. Matthew it was the first and only church we tried uh, I did youth at St. Matthew in high school attended fifth quarter which was a post high school football game gathering and in 1996, Dina and I met, we met in high school, and I invited, you know, I wanted Dina to do, be around me all the time, so I was like, you know, let's hang out at church. So Dina started coming to church with us. And so I fell in love with that um, experience and went home to tell my grandma all about how wonderful St. Matthew was, so it was awesome. So thank you for bringing me to our home. Post high school, moved away for college, and really we had no connection to a church at all and that went on for a long time when we had our daughter kinley we knew something was missing so we started going back to church we attended the 815 traditional service for about a year and a half and i was completely fine attending the traditional service i like to come in a few minutes late and leave early just so I could honestly get that check mark that hey this guy did an hour in church about a year in we were approached to join a small group we couldn't find an excuse honestly we were like oh we've got this day open we could get kid coverage okay we'll attend and so we took we accepted an invitation to join a small group having no idea what it would be like I didn't know if it'd be two hours of prayer and seance or there was going to be Bible quiz. Uh, I didn't even know that I needed to bring a Bible, but we showed up and any awkwardness or context that we added was really dissolved once we met the people that we didn't have a relationship with previously, but it was just a, a really positive experience from the jump off it was we met some great people we met some really close friends who have remained our close friends and it's amazing to be able to do life with people who are like-minded um who you know you're you know like your children are the same age and you get to meet in the comfort of your own homes and you literally get to experience the most amazing you know things that happen in your life and um, some you know other experiences that come along the way and um, they always have you know stood by our sides through Dina was raised by her grandma uh, it, Dina's grandma was really the 
most stable force in her life growing up. And ever since I knew Dina, it was Dina, and we called her Mum Mum. Her name was Marie. Mum Mum has a daughter, a special needs daughter, that is 60 this year. <laughs> then we, uh, Dina's grandma is, was very strong. She uh, has a medical background, but in 2016, she, uh, she got pretty sick and she was put on hospice. And uh, that was all new to us. We were the main sources of care for Dina's grandma, which was challenging in itself, but there's another layer with Joanne. We wanted to keep her life as normal as we could as we went in and out of doctor's visits, hospital visits, and our small group rallied around us. And it wasn't, there were times when we would get a call and we would need to drop the kids at the drop of a hat and say, hey, it's 11.30 at night on a Tuesday. Dean and I have to go to the hospital. And there was no questions like, hey, bring them here. We'll get them to school. We'll get them fed. And we knew we could count on that. And that's what our small group just started showing up. And, and it was through the times when she was in the hospital too where some people wouldn't. They wouldn't let go of your hand, even though you'd maybe want them to. And they would carry you. <laughs> and when Dina's grandma, we got the call that she passed away, although it was expected, it still kind of was that lightning bolt that as much as we knew it was gonna happen, we were unprepared and we didn't know at that time, we were just planning for the next doctor visit, the next test, the next result, when really we had to start planning for a lot of stuff that there's we didn't have a template for. Our small group stepped up and we didn't cook a meal for what I feel like is four to six weeks. Mm -hmm. And it, we got to the point we had to tell our small group, hey, stop making food. It was just an amazing response that I don't know if we would have made it through without our small group. And it was just the response, and I saw so many people rallying around us and this genuine care about how we were doing, Other, not only taking care of the necessities with our kids, our food, but just being there and genuinely interested in how we were doing. I, my thought coming away was like, hey, I wanna be who you are in my life. I wanna be that person in someone else's life. The people who you create community with and the people who you do life with, it matters. Um, and that, it's invaluable. It really is. You know, community is, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift from God because he knows we need that. We need that fellowship. We need that connection with other people. We need people there alongside us to guide us, to help carry us through. And then um, everyone has a story, you know, everyone has a testimony. And in this moment right now, I'm gonna invite everybody to stand because what we are going to do we are in community together right now, whether we are in-house, in the sanctuary, or we are at home, we are all still connected, we are all still 
in community and we're gonna use our worship, we're gonna use our voices to proclaim to God, to thank God for our community, for our family that we have here at Pathway. So I want y'all to use this moment and let's lift God up. Here we go. We were not made to do this life alone. We were not created to do church uh, just in a large group as we gather every week together in this place online. We're a large group. If that's all we're doing, we're only getting half the experience where the intimate, deep stuff happens in the context of our small groups. So if you're not connected to a small group, in October we're going to be starting our next small group series. You want to be connected by then. And you don't have to wait until then because there are plenty of ways to get connected right now. Our classes and, and support groups are kicking off right now. And if you're online, we're going to put a link to sign up for those in your comments section right now. So you can just click on that and go sign up. Uh, if you're in the house, what you do is Right when we're done, in a minute, you go out these doors to the left, you're going to see a small groups, uh, three tables set up, and they're going to have information, and there's a team to help you connect today. Don't miss out on the experience of being connected in small groups, because it is the way we were made, and God intends it. So go in peace, and grow, and love.